All right, what if there was someone who wanted to help you find a job? Choose Express Employment Professionals, and that is exactly what you're going to get. They can help you find work in any industry. With just one interview at Express, you have a connection to endless jobs. Whether you want a contract job, a new full-time role, or a summer job, choose Express Employment Professionals. Express has more than 860 locally owned locations and no fees for job seekers. Visit ExpressPros.com today to find a location near you. Summer is upon us, and whatever you have going on, a vacation, a staycation, a summer wedding, well, Macy's has you covered. If you need summer dresses, matching sets, volume sleeve tops, wedges, straw-crafted bags, I mean, really, they have what you need head to toe. I'm talking Levi's, Dolce Vita, Lacoste, and more. So shop summer must-haves at Macy's. Go to Macy's.com slash style. Again, that's Macy's.com slash own your style. All summer, the best time of the year usually doesn't come with a great deal. Soaring temperatures come with soaring prices. But what if there was another way? With IKEA, your summer plans can last longer than two weeks of vacation and be more affordable. At IKEA, everyone can have lounge chair access. No reservations needed. From affordable outdoor furniture to stylish accessories, They have all of the essentials that you need to soak up summer in style, no matter the size of your space. Start planning a better summer with IKEA. It's your outdoor dreams inside your budget. I have a joke for you guys. Knock, knock. Your mama. Mama is not here, but mine is. Here she is. Welcome, Amy Brown. Thank you, Stevenson. Hi. For anyone that showed up here today feeling unworthy in any area of your life whatsoever, our hope for today is that You leave here knowing that you deserve a full and beautiful life and that you'll give yourself the permission to at least feel worthy. And so when it comes to self-worth, for me, I'm struggling a little bit with the fact that like, oh, okay, these people paid their hard-earned money to come here and see me. And in my brain, I'm like, I feel like this is, I tricked them or something because this is literally something you can listen to for free next week. But really, thank you so much for coming. It means a lot. I am the bridge from you to the experts that are going to be joining me today because I am, I am learning. I learn from them, and I'm so thankful. Four things that I want to touch on right now are just worthiness, vulnerability, confidence, fear. I struggle with all of that, and I honestly don't know anybody that doesn't. And one thing I feared for a long time is finances <laughs> and It honestly wasn't until the last year or so that I started to kind of dip my toe into that because I've spent the last 15 years or more not even knowing how to get into my bank account. No idea. Logging on completely overwhelmed me. And, well, you do enough therapy and you start to figure out the root of things. And I realized that my fear of handling money stemmed from my childhood, watching my dad go through different highs and lows with money, including a bankruptcy that really stressed our family out and ultimately led to my parents splitting up. So 
I think from there my solution was, okay, well, just ignore the money and it won't stress you out. <laughs> Uh, and this falls under something called financial phobia. This is a thing. Cambridge University says it could be affecting up to 20% of the population. So, that's some of you out there. And, you know, I've never been reckless with money. I have not been, yeah, careless with it. I've just been avoidant. And I found a quote that sums it up nicely. Financial phobes can be capable people who are achievers in most areas of their life. They're not irresponsible, reckless, or spendthrifts. They get into a psychological syndrome that makes it very difficult for them to deal efficiently with their personal finances. And so when I got married, my syndrome caused me to hand the finances over to Ben and really never look back. I mean, Ben and I were actually talking about it the other day, and he says that he remembers at the start of our marriage, he was going to have to deploy and go to Afghanistan, and he was pumped because now he had a partner. And he's like, hey, yeah, this is great. You're going to be able to take care of things while I'm gone back home, you know, like, check the mail, pay bills, stuff like that. And I was like, oh, yeah, no, I don't, <laughs> I don't do that. That's why now we're married, and I, you're, you're the, we're partners, and this is you, and um, that would require me dealing with money. And I said, I'm not good at that. That's not my thing. And that was my ongoing limiting belief about myself, is that I wasn't good with it. And then you fast forward to 2020, and I was on the phone with my cousin Amanda, and out of nowhere, she just starts telling me that I need to start paying attention to my finances and that it will empower me. And I'm like, okay, I don't know how it will empower me, but sure, I guess. Amanda, where are, are you here? Where are you? Here. Oh, hi. I'm over here. Hi, okay. everyone. Okay, so you were telling me I needed to pay attention and that it would empower me, and I didn't get it. <laughs> she really didn't get it, and I was emphatic. I said, listen, just go check your bank account. Sit down and see what your balance is. But then Simple I was like, stuff. well, like, I don't know how to log in. So, <laughs> Get your login. And she did those things. And you have started to see a difference, right? Mm -hmm. In the way you feel and the empowerment and yeah. the sense of worth. Because, I mean, money, worthy, all of those things are connected. It's not about the amount, though, just to be clear. Mm -mm. Yeah. It's really just about that feeling of abundance and worthiness. And I know for me it's the same way when I feel rich inside it shows up in other ways. And it doesn't just mean through a paycheck or money coming in, through friendships, through connections, and that adds to my worth. Yeah. So, yeah. And so tonight, we're hopeful that it will empower you and you are worth being here and hearing from all the amazing people. And apparently now is like the time to hear this. It's stuff. the time. So listen, <laughs> we are here in this incredible energetic season do we have any Aries in the house? Okay, these people know because it's Aries is the mighty I am energy. There's this fire in the sky and fire in this energy field to take risk, be bold, be fearless, and trust your soul. Trust the stuff that's coming through. So being here today and also all of us together with that same intention just creates this vortex of energy and momentum. So sit in your soul today, open your heart, open your ears, you know, and enjoy all of these incredible experts as Amy takes us on this journey today. Yeah. Usually what I say is pretty spot on. So. Yeah, she knows. She's all about the energy. She's like, I've already checked everything with the, all the numbers and things, and this is just going to be such a powerful day. And I wanted y'all to know that. I want y'all to be invited into this place of energy and know that you showing up here was you showing up for all the other people in the room at the same time. And... 
you know, when Amanda told me that, I did start to take baby steps, but that was 2020. It really wasn't until the, the last year or so that I was really woken up. And patterns have to be broken, and I was in an unhealthy pattern. And there can be a number of things for people, and for me, it was a marriage ending, and that was a stress point that provided opportunity for me to wake up, get my head out of the sand, and I no longer could just defer to Ben. And I know that that was a heavy thing I put on him our whole marriage, like, I don't do this. Um, but I'm, I'm the adult in my life now, and growing up in this area in my 40s has been challenging, but it's really been wild to see how my body has reacted to having to go there and the actual fear that I feel. And for me, it might be the, it's the finances, and I have other things too, but for you, think about times where your body has spoken to you, and are you in tune with it? Are you able to listen? Because now that I am dialed in, you know, Ben and I have had to sit in a lot of different meetings where it's, okay, dividing assets, and I mean, I have to look at things. And the first several meetings I showed up and I was holding my throat, that's where it shows up for me, might be somewhere else for you, but my throat, and it would begin with me holding it, and then I would start crying. And, you know, sometimes there's other people involved, and I'm like, okay, sorry about this, but it just was also overwhelming. And simply opening up a spreadsheet caused this. So I'm now happy to say that at 42 years old, I, I have access to all of my accounts, and I know what's coming in, what's going out. I know my water bill, my electric bill. I print out every paycheck, and we go over it. It's super fun. <laughs> It's, it doesn't freak me out like it used to. And to that point, even knowing my spending habits and all the things and not getting the reaction in my throat or tears of overwhelm, it's just been the coolest thing. And I gotta say, I got, does anybody have the Rocket Money app? No? Okay, you should get it. Because I got it and every time I get a deposit, I get an email and you open it up and there's this cute little dog and money is raining down. <laughs> and I'm like, Okay, I'm like, this is fun. So I finally understand what Amanda was talking about, and it is empowering in the sense that I'm an active participant in my life now. I'm no longer shutting down around certain things, and I'm using the financial phobia as one example. There's many. Apply this to your life where you see fit. Where do you turn off? Where do you shut down? Where do you just defer? Where do you ignore? What are you acting like it's not happening because if it's not, if it's not there, then it's not really there and I don't have to worry about it. And so one statement I want to say for sure here is that our desire to eliminate the fear using avoidance actually is what perpetuates the fear. And I was that way with finances because of a story that has been in my brain since I was a child. But what I want y'all to know, which is the cool part, is the beauty of our brains. There's magic in there, there's possibility up there, and we don't have to stay stuck in the same narrative that we've been in for years and years and years. And you're not alone in your thinking, you're not crazy, and you can change it up. Your narrative, your story can switch, and you are worth it. Which leads me to my first thing with my friend and a self-image scientist that knows a lot about the brain, Leanne Ellington. Yes, and amen to everything you just said.
the brain is such a moldable, pliable, switch-upable thing that we can take ownership of any time we choose. And that's a big part of why we're here, is to change that narrative. So just to kind of give you guys a little bit of a mental picture, go ahead and just roll with me and close your eyes for just a moment. And just picture that you are on the outside of a cornfield and there is a big red barn in the middle of that field. And if you take a step from where you are right now on the edge of that field to that barn, yeah, maybe the corn's gonna lay down a little bit, but you're not gonna really be able to see where you were and where you went based on that one time. But if every single day you walk that same path, that same path, the corn is eventually gonna lay itself down and you're gonna visually be able to see where you, where you stepped. And that's exactly how the brain works, okay? When we, when we walk a path, it fires and wires neurons together. But on the flip side, if we have a path that we've been walking our entire lives, and we all have our own, right? When you stop walking that path, little by little, the, the neurons stop firing and wiring together. And that is the magic of the plastic, amazing, switch-upable, changeable brain that we have access to that I know for most of my life, I didn't even know we had access to it. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the coolest part to know about your brain, and I'm sure you've heard it, okay, neuroplasticity, it's a thing. But I mean, it's really powerful, and I've seen it work in my own life. Absolutely, and we can logically understand that, but this is where I wanna really invite you all into this idea of what if tonight was day one or day zero of you cutting through the noise of all those stories or the narratives that you've been seeing yourself through or the goggles that you've been seeing yourself through, what if tonight was the line in the sand that you could switch it up and take ownership of what is up here? My friend Lisa Haim says, fork the noise all the time. And that's one thing. She was instrumental in my eating disorder recovery. And that was the, that was the name of her course, fork the noise. And it's literally over and over, you're just sticking a fork in it to, to stop it. And yeah, you have to go over and over and over again. And a lot of grace is involved in that, but it's worth it when you get to the other side. And I know, Leanne, you have your own personal story with that. So, well, you have a few. <laughs> but, how, um, how long do we have? You can share whichever one you see fit, just, you know, of when you felt unworthy and you had to rewire things. Yeah, I think unworthiness, everybody has a story. And mine started when I was in third grade and my dad took me to Weight Watchers. And he didn't outright tell me that I was fat. I downloaded a story that that's what I was. And I, I now call them my fat goggles because everything in my life, I saw myself through those, those eyes. That perception was the filter that I would then take into life with me and you know coincidentally not coincidentally I went on to gain 100 pounds over the next 10 years and even after I lost that weight because I didn't know what I didn't know and I didn't know to rewire my self-image I was still left with you know disordered eating a horrible self-image and body image and the only thing that shifted that was actually addressing the lens the unworthiness the un you know my story was that I was broken that I was messed up that I was an addict all of those things that contributed to this story of unworthiness. And I would bring that with me into relationships and into work and into every area of my life because it's three-dimensional and it goes with you everywhere. And again, if I was sitting here, you know, 15 years ago hearing the words that are coming out of my mouth, I wouldn't have believed it because I was so deeply entrenched in like, this is just who I am. But that's where 
it doesn't have to be that way because we have this plastic moldable thing that when we take ownership of our beliefs and our story and our self-image, we can shift it anytime we choose. So I've felt unworthy. You've felt unworthy. And I'd love to run through some characteristics of low self-worth. And you can, if you're comfortable, do as you see fit. It's not like a hand-raising thing at all, but Leanne and I have mics and we're gonna be saying check. Kind of like, check, check. <laughs> I'll run through it, and you can just sit in your seat straight ahead. Nobody has to know who's saying what, but if you have ever felt this characteristic of low self-worth, you can just say, check. And my hope is that, again, you're going to realize that you're not alone. And like Amanda said, the energy in this room, the community, this is why we gather. We could have recorded this podcast with no people, but getting into a room with others is very different. So just say check if you are up for it, if you have felt like any of these things. Lack of self-confidence. Check. check. People-pleasing. Check, check, check. Inability to accept compliments. Check. check. Eating disorder body image issues. Check. check, check. Reluctance to trust your own opinion. Check. check. Expecting little out of life for yourself. Check. Check. So, see, fun activity. We're not alone. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, Leanne is going to invite us into those, the, the new opportunity that we have in our brain. And maybe some of you, you're like, okay, yeah, I've heard that, neuroplasticity, to the brain. And I mean, I know it too, but then sometimes you never know, like, something that is holding you back or something that you realized. And so... That's why I'm excited, again, to be gathered together and take this journey with y'all and learning more about our brains or being reminded of it or being encouraged so that when we leave tonight, we're like, oh, I'm going to take that next right step to start heading that direction in the cornfield instead of that one. Absolutely. And full transparency, Amy gave me permission to get a little geeky with y'all. But the reason I get so fired up about this part of the brain that we're going to talk about is because this is the gateway that helped me realize, okay, I'm not crazy. I'm not messed up. I'm not broken. I'm not a lost cause. My brain got fired and wired to program and, and react a certain way. And once I understood why I do what I do, it gave me, first of all, that, that self-compassion and awareness and realized, okay, I'm a human. Specifically, there's a part of our brain that I call the social brain, but it's called the anterior cingulate cortex. But you can just remember ACC, which stands for acceptance, connection, and care, because that is the part of our brain that cares whether we are accepted, connected, or cared for. It is the part of our brain that cares what other people think about us. It is the part of our brain that cares and, and notices, am I liked? Do they think I'm cool? Will they accept me? Do they think I'm a failure? What are they thinking? Those third party goggles. And I know growing up, I heard people being like, yeah, I don't really care what people think about me. And I realized when I learned about that part of the brain, like that's not possible. We have an entire part of our brain that is looking for other people's perceptions and awareness of us. Ladies, it's bigger. It's more active in the female brain than it is in the male brain. It develops earlier. And so... Wait, are there... I see one guy. Two guys. Two! Yeah. Are there guys here? <laughs> Three, four, five, Represent. six, seven, eight, yes. nine. Mike D, I saw that. Well, yes. A little late there raising your hand as a man. 
<laughs> well, you all have ACCs as well. Yes. yes, men have them too. But also, one thing that comes to mind when, you know, it's like, oh, I don't really care. I'm not supposed to care what other people think. It's like, okay, yes, we do care. But one thing, and if you're in therapy, you likely have a therapist that has told you this, but remember, okay, you might care, but it's none of your business. Right, it's none of, <laughs> what somebody it's none else of my business, of what somebody else yeah. thinks, absolutely. But part of it too is also like, what if knowing that I care and knowing that I have this part of my brain, by the way, side note, it's also the part of our brain that is seeking something when we're reaching for food, sugar, Netflix, compliments, that numbing, procrastinating, distracting part of our brain. It's where we house all of the emotional and physiological pain centers of our brain. So there's a lot of things that get mixed and matched within that, that again, if you've ever felt codependent on a substance or a thing or opinions of others, or a person. it's all, <laughs> check, check, it's all mixed in there. We all have our own drug of choice, right? But what is possible, so what if it's not possible to not care, right? We've already established that. But what is possible is what if you started caring about what you think and what you say and how you feel about yourself and your own self-image, your own identity, and you built that worthiness from a currency that can never be taken away from you if your gene size or your bank balance or the likes that you got on Instagram do not add up to what you think equates to worthy. What if you created a new currency and took ownership of your social brain? right? And now you know you're not crazy if you eat your feelings because your brain has gotten fired and wired to do that, right? And it, it dissolves, hopefully it dissolves some of the shame. It helps you see it for what it is just as data. Not, it's not personal. You aren't bad, wrong, messed up. It's just your brain doing what it got fired and wired to do. And because of what we talked about, it is possible to stop it in its tracks and take that back. I used to identify as a sugar addict for so many years. And then I just realized, no, I've practiced using it addictively. And there's a recipe where I can practice using it non-addictively and it can just be what it is. But that is the power that we have when we take ownership. And just for me, just knowing that, knowing about that part of my brain and working with it rather than thinking I was crazy or working against it changed everything for me. Yeah, for me, it's been awareness is everything. Like I had to be, okay, I'm aware of this. You just start to realize and then it, it's kind of a domino effect. You're like, oh, now I'm aware of this. Oh, shoot, now I'm aware of that. And it's there, awareness, awareness is a thing. Yes. So explain what's going on when we have awareness, awareness. Right, yeah. So we walk around unaware that we have the ability to even be aware of something. So when you have the awareness to become aware of something new, that is what I call an awareness awareness. Very clever name, I know. But it's enough to start that process of building the new neurons in your brain. Awareness of the ability to become aware of something new is enough to start that process, right? So a lot of us, I know I was always one of those people that's like, just tell me what to do, right? And it's like, no, it's a new way of thinking. It's a new way of seeing. It's a new awareness that there is something that you can now become aware of. And once that process starts, it's like you can't unsee what you've seen. It's pretty powerful. And what it takes is work though. And now that we've laid the groundwork for that, okay, your brain's just doing its thing. You're not crazy. You're not alone. We can get into some, some tools or things you can do to take action now that you know you can rewire the brain, which leads me to the second thing. Right, so a lot of us are guilty of doing that whole last minute shopping thing when it comes to holidays, like Mother's Day. 
you might be in that position right now. And that makes it challenging to find a great gift for mom. But don't worry, Macy's Gift Finder makes it incredibly fast and easy to find the right gift just in time for Mother's Day. So whether the mom in your life is a fashionista or maybe even a photographer or a fanatic about yoga, Macy's Gift Finder has got so many great gift ideas to make her feel special. Now, Mother's Day is May 12th. So make sure you make note of that. Don't have much time. That's okay. Macy's has got you covered. And you can shop by price, $25 and under or $100 and under. You can shop by category, fragrances, handbags, and more. Or they've got gift lists, like for the mom who has everything, gifts that are already wrapped and ready to be gifted, or gifts for grandma. Top gifts include Beats headphones, digital photo frame, Polaroid camera. That would be so awesome to receive. Or my personal favorite, man, I would love to get this as a gift, Samsung Smart TV, The Frame. Go to Macy's.com slash gift finder. Again, it's pretty easy. Just head on over to Macy's.com slash gift finder for the perfect inspiration for Mother's Day. I don't want to waste my time taking vitamins that aren't really going to do much for me. Like I want research. I want to know like, hey, this is actually doing something for my body. And Ritual knows this. That's why they conducted the research. They've done clinical trials on their Essential for Women 18 Plus multivitamin. The results, well, it increased vitamin D levels by 43% and omega-3 DHA levels by 41% in just 12 weeks. And as a woman, I want healthy vitamin D levels and omega-3 levels. And all I got to do is take my Ritual Essential for Women 18 Plus Multivitamin every morning. I take them on an empty stomach, but sometimes if I forget, I may take them in the afternoon. It's really up to you when you want to take them. There's nine key nutrients in two delayed release capsules. And what the delay release capsules does for us is it optimizes our body's absorption of these nutrients. It's gentle on the empty stomach. Like I said, I can take it first thing in the morning and I'm totally fine. And with a minty essence in every bottle, it actually makes taking your vitamins enjoyable. No more shady business. Ritual is essential for women. 18 plus is a multivitamin that you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month at ritual.com slash four things. Start ritual or add essential for women. 18 plus to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash four things for 25% off. All right, so I've been saving on shopping this year by only buying new clothes when I've sold some clothes that I no longer wear. And what this has done is it's forced me to be super wise when I'm adding clothes back into my closet. I want to update my wardrobe for the long haul without spending a fortune. And that's where Quince comes into play. You can go see for yourself all the awesome stuff they have, especially for summer right now, like European linen dresses and blouses and shorts from $30, washable silk tops, 14 karat gold jewelry, so much more. And if you're like me, you're like, hmm, this just seems too good to be true. Well, what Quince does is they partner directly with top factories and they cut out the cost of the middleman and they pass the savings on to us. So we are getting things for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. For example, I'm literally looking on their website right now at this open knit cover up maxi dress that'll be great for the summer, 100% organic cotton, and it's $49.90. It could retail. For $148, so that's 66% savings. And with warm weather here, you need to check out Quince. All you got to do is go to quince.com slash Amy for free shipping on your order and 365-day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash Amy. You're going to get free shipping. Again, 365-day returns. That's quince.com slash Amy. Here she is. This Hi. is my 
dear friend, Allie Fallon. She is Hi. an author and a writing expert and an all-around good person. Aw, thanks. Yeah. So I know that for you, writing has been something that has been extremely healing and therapeutic. That's why you're such a proponent of it. Allie's a big reason why I write now. I journal like a lot. She gave me an <laughs> assignment, fault. what, a couple of weeks ago to journal 20 minutes a day for four days because she said it was going to change my life or something. And it really was powerful. So thanks for that. It's good, isn't it? Yeah. This is because I've been journaling a little bit of three minutes a day, three minutes a day, three minutes. And I set a timer. And when that three minutes is up, I'm like, throw the pin. Done. Yeah. Did it. Like, check. But what I found is some days I just keep writing for five or keep writing yeah. forever. And then the 20, I was like, whoa, I've never done that before. But I was determined and I set the timer and I was surprised how much I could get out. And it's not like it's, there's no pressure. And again, there's no judgment on the paper. It's just you and the paper. And so thank you for giving me that gift of writing because you yes. really, really, really planted the seed for that. And so for you, why has writing been so powerful? I mean, you even wrote a book called The Power of Writing It Down. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so why writing? Why pen to paper? Well, I have always been drawn to writing since I was really young. I always knew that I wanted to grow up and be a writer, be an author. And I spent most of my career, the last 15 years, in publishing, both writing my own books and also working with authors to help them get their book ideas out of their head and onto paper. And I started to see this consistent trend that when people were engaged in the activity of writing, sometimes people who would not necessarily consider themselves writers, they're just people who are public figures or whatever, who've been asked to write a book, that when they engage in this activity of writing, they start to have these profound insights and transformations happen in their life. So I got really curious about this and started to do some digging. And there's actually a huge body of data that shows that writing is one of the most powerful ways that we can create transformation in our lives. In fact, it can transform your physical health, your mental health, your emotional health. One of my favorite statistics to share is that people who write regularly, and regularly is defined as 20 minutes a day for four days in a row, which is why I had Amy do the 20 minutes. People who write regularly are 50% less likely to visit the doctor for upper respiratory infections and flu, which just absolutely blows my mind. And there's tons of other statistics I can share. I'm so healthy now. But <laughs> you've cleared the system. But the reason why that sticks out to me so much is it tells us that the writing is having a physical impact on your cellular biology. It's actually changing the way that your body processes what's in the environment. There's also studies that show that people who are in recovery, who write through recovery, are more likely to stay sober. There's studies that show that people who are undergoing treatment for cancer respond better to the chemo if they're writing regularly. People who write regularly report being happier in their romantic relationships. So there's just not a single part of your life that this can't touch. But for me, when this really sunk in, so I started to watch this happen in my career, and it was definitely, I was really excited about it and passionate about it, but it was mostly about helping other people, these authors who I was working with, access the power of writing. And then a handful of years ago, about seven years ago now, I went through a big shift in my personal life and went through a divorce, decided I needed to leave a relationship that was really toxic and very abusive. And I realized that while I had had all this, this sense of self-worth that had been developing through my career, I really didn't have that in my personal life. And that was something that I 
felt really ashamed about and kept really secret. So when I stepped out of this relationship, I really felt like I was stepping off of the cliff into no man's land. And I had made up a whole story in my head that because I was leaving this relationship, this would be the end of my career because my last name was going to change and I was known as this author with this other name. And so like... I was never going to get a publisher again. I was never going to write a book again. And as I was going through this experience, I just kept having this nagging feeling when I would wake up every morning that I was supposed to go write down the story. And because I have the publishing brain also, the publishing part of me was like, that is a dumb idea. This is never going to get published. No one gives, no one gives, no one cares about this story. There was this other book that I was supposed to be writing. I was contracted with a publisher and agent to write this other book. And so I kept telling myself, you should be writing this other book. But I kept feeling pulled to write the story, just write what was happening in my life and write what I was going through. And I couldn't stop myself from doing it, so I'd wake up every morning, and for the first two or three hours of my day, I would go and just just write down what was going on in my life. And that experience transformed me so dramatically. I, I literally, sometimes I think about this, because I was telling Amy, November 19th of last year was the seven-year mark. And when I look at my life now, I'm just like, I cannot believe that this is the same life. Like, my husband's here, he's backstage. I'm married to a really wonderful guy. We've got a great relationship. I've got two little kids who are so sweet and, and fun. And But when you, at seven years ago, you did literally did not think that was no, no. in your future. You're I told like, okay, myself. no kids. I guess I'm ruined forever. I'm not going to get married again. Because I was like yeah. 33. I was like, I guess I'm too old. It's, it's over. It's time. You know, like in my mind, I was just like, there's not enough time left. That was the story that was going on in my head. But I think this is the beauty of taking the story and putting it down onto paper is because these things are happening in our head outside of our awareness. And when you write them on the paper, you realize how absurd they sound. So when I started to put on the paper what was happening to me in my everyday life, I realized what like the trauma that I had been through and how severe it was. I started to realize the way that these voices were playing out in my head and how they were affecting my life. And I was able to like re-script the narrative and literally transform the way that I experience my life, and especially my personal life. So it's like such a dramatic change. It's kind of hard to believe sometimes, but it just makes me believe even more in the power of writing. And especially for people who, who say to themselves, well, that's easy for you to say because you work in publishing, but I'm not a real writer. You'd be shocked how many people say that to me. And I think the people who say that actually stand to gain the most because you don't see that you have a story to tell. So... I hope I can. The way Allie encourages people like that, which is also me, she's like, well, you send text messages, don't you? You're a writer. <laughs> no, okay. The reason I say that is, I know it sounds sort of pedantic, but it's like we have this view of writing, like it's this elite activity that only a certain you know, number of people should be allowed to do, that it just should be like a select few who are published authors. But writing is a form of communication, just like the spoken word. And I tell Amy, I'm like, how silly would it be if, you know, I've got a one-year-old and a two-year-old, if I was like, I wonder if the one-year-old's going to be a talker. It's like, of course he's going to be a talker. This is, that's like a form of communication that we have. And writing is just a form of communication that literally anybody can use. And so why shouldn't we all have access to that? So in some of Allie's assignments to me and other assignments I've sought out, that's how much I enjoy the writing is that like I look for other prompts. Like Allie has a lot of amazing writing prompts that will kick things off. Like what am I supposed to write about today? And honestly, if you don't know, you can write, I don't know what to write today. And you can write that over and over until your brain starts to write something else. And it will happen. I've done that. Yeah. yeah. I've even told you that I've one time I write blah, 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 blah. <laughs> 
<laughs> and eventually it turns into something. So what's cool is in seeking out writing prompts, I came across this opportunity to make a faith statement for the year. And it was a four-day process, not all day, like 10 minutes a day, of different writing prompts. And then at the end of the four days, you go and you circle words that are showing up over and over. Like, what's the theme? And by the fourth day, honestly, I didn't even remember the first day's question or what I wrote. So it was like interesting to go back. And it was so crazy that like totally different questions, totally different answers, but there was a theme and things were showing up. So then you take from the circled words, this whole little fun project that I was like, I'm not doing this right. I don't believe in myself. What am I doing? I'm not a writer. This is dumb. And I came up with my faith statement. And I was like, well, okay, it's what it is. No one's ever going to see this. So who cares? And now I have my journal here with y'all. <laughs> Um, because this is crazy what happened. So I've been asking God for a lot of signs lately, like all the signs. And if there's no signs. sign, I take that as a sign. But yeah, signs. Yeah, I love signs. Best. So check this one out. Faith statement, Sunday, February 5th, 2023. This is what I wrote after I circled a bunch of words. God is in control, connecting me to the bigger picture with ease and guiding me towards a full life. And I was like, well, this is dumb. That was dumb. I don't know what I'm doing. Let's move on. So then within five minutes, go pick up this book that I had just gotten in the mail from my friend Tanya Rad, who also works in radio. And she had just put it out and she mailed out a bunch of copies to people and I happened to get one. And it's 100 days to finding the hope and joy you want, the sunshine state of mind. So I was like, oh, let's check this out. Okay. So I go to day one, because I'm on day one, and I realized, oh, okay, it's more than just a book. It's a, day, it's a daily reading, devotional type thing. And at the beginning of each day, she has a Bible verse. And again, five minutes before that, I wrote my faith statement, which is, God is in control, connecting me to the bigger picture with ease and guiding me towards a full life. Day one, Jeremiah 29, 11. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. And if you put my faith statement side by side with Jeremiah 29, 11, they're saying the same thing. So my faith statement was affirmed by God. <laughs> he gave me a sign. Like it was so exactly what I needed to know that like, oh, okay, you can do things. You could do the four-day writing thing. You can come up with your own faith statement for the year and be judgment-free of it. Just let it go. Let go of the control. Stop trying to do that. God has you. God's like, okay, yes, I have you. I have a plan for you. Well, there is hope. There is a future, and a future towards, like, a full life, and that's what my faith statement for the year was. And so it was just such a crazy five minutes where I felt... Yeah very safe and secure in the path I was on. Hopefully that makes you keep writing. <laughs> One thing too, we'll I was going to say, <laughs> she's like, maybe. TVD. Writing connects us to the inner wisdom that lives in all of us. And so I love that story, how you had that moment of, of wisdom, and then you see that wisdom reflected in scripture too. It's like, I call it the narrator voice that comes out when you start to tell a story. Like there's the part of you that's in the situation 
that describes what's happening to you. And then there's this other part of you, and you've probably had this experience, that sees a higher perspective. And that narrator voice will come out in you, the part of you that sees the 30,000-foot view, that sees the future, that knows that this is not forever, comes out when you do your writing. And it's just one of the really profound things that happens in a writing practice. So writing is definitely a tool. And some of you might be like, oh, yes, I love to write. Totally my thing. And then others might be like, yeah, right. Well, I would just encourage you, go pick out a fun journal. Just go to a store, go online, go to Amazon, just order yourself a journal and start there and then see what happens. Get some writing prompts. Like what would be a prompt if people are working through worthiness or fear and confidence? My very favorite writing prompt is one thing that is true for me today is fill in the blank. Oftentimes, if you start there, you can open up a portal that will, that will help you to just keep writing and writing and writing, because there may be 10 things that feel true for you today. But you'll be shocked at what comes out. What may come out is a thought of unworthiness that you didn't know existed in your brain. And that's great, because now you have the awareness, awareness. Awareness, awareness, yeah, we love that. We do have an audience question that it's very fitting, especially for Allie. So I wanted to specifically ask it during this second thing. So Amanda's out in the crowd with the mic, and she's also with another Allie. So there's Allie and Allie. Hi. <laughs> Tell everybody your name, where you're from, and then share whatever's on your heart. Okay. You're brave. <laughs> oh, thank you. Hi, my name's Allie. I'm from Canada. And I recently left an abusive relationship and I didn't realize how much it had affected my sense of self-worth until the last little while before I left the relationship because it took a lot of time to build the courage to actually leave. There was a big part of me that wanted to stay because I still loved him and I figured at least then I know what I'm in for. But just the constant abuse, it just, it seriously damaged the way that I saw myself and what I felt I was capable or worthy of and I kept blaming myself and was trying to figure out what more I could have done. Initially, I thought it made me stronger because I could take it, except I didn't realize how much it was actually breaking me down. And now I'm trying to find my way out of that and build a future that I want instead of trying to appease somebody else. Mm -hmm. But I guess I my question is just, I knew the way I was being treated wasn't okay, but instead of having the mindset that it, it wasn't a good thing, I thought I was stronger and it made me tough because I could take it. And I just was curious how I missed how damaging it was. <laughs> yeah, I mean, one of the ways that you missed it is, I don't know the person who you're with, but, but people who are abusive are brilliant manipulators. And so they have a way out of their own pain of pulling the wool over your eyes very carefully. And so that's part of how you missed it. And you know, another part of how we miss stuff like that is how we're cultured as women to, you know, sort of like take it. I think there's a lot of, it, it may even be unintentional, but just ways that in the broader culture that those behaviors are normalized and that we're taught to not talk about them and not share them with other people. And so just go really easy on yourself because it's, I used to think before I was in the relationship that I was in that because I was a confident woman and because I had independence in my life and you know I was like a little later in life getting married and I had this successful career and I felt really confident about myself that I was not at risk for a relationship like that and that's just not the case. And since I've gotten out of that relationship, I've met so many other brilliant, intelligent, powerful, wonderful, dynamic women 
who also have been, and this happens to men too, it's not just women, but who have been in relationships where that toxic dynamic gets started, and it's only when one person goes, I'm ready to break the pattern, that the pattern gets broken. So good on you, it takes a ton of courage to leave, and, and yeah, I mean, y- you have been really broken down, so the fact that you're feeling that tells you that you're really in touch with reality. Are you, are you writing at all? Are you journaling what's going on? But I, <laughs> if, <laughs> I like Amy. But I are do. you open to something like that? I think it could be really healing for you just to even like write the, for me, when I got out, it was like to write a circumstance that had happened that I had normalized inside of the relationship, but then I would write it and I would sob because I would be like, how did I live through that? I think that could be a really cool like way to process what you've been through. Definitely, yeah. I try to do the Four Things Gratitude book every morning, so yeah. I'll try to add that in. Oh, no, yeah. that's a great yeah. place to start, too. I think that's, it's not intimidating. You can just start with, in each thing, mm-hmm. you know, you can do one word, and then you can move on to a few sentences and then a paragraph. And I know you said Canada. Yeah. And then, <laughs> and you came alone? I did. Okay. Yeah. Good for you. Yes. Amazing. Like, we're, okay, Allie from Canada, like you did this for yourself. And I hope you realize how huge that is. Like you knew you needed a weekend away and it wasn't just about coming this or you needed a weekend away. You needed that separation to come to Nashville and do something for yourself, like a whole weekend. And so for that, I wanna bring in my friend, Gracie Mokler, who's got a little something for you, Allie. And I'll let her explain it, but it's for your, your bravery. Yes for leaving and then your courage for coming all the way here. Yes, Allie, we want to give you an emergency confetti. This is a celebration kit. Yes. Um, So, so inspired by your story. Thank you for sharing. And this product actually was inspired by a story Amy shared with me of this little boy's in his mom's car. And he's like, hey, mom, can I throw this confetti in my pocket? And she's like, no, 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 don't throw that. But why do you have that confetti? And he's like, it's my emergency confetti in case of good news. And I just thought that was the best mindset on life, you know? And I just, hearing your story, there's only good ahead for you, you know? And you've been so brave. And I just, picturing the confetti pop and you and your new environment, I just hope for you it's a medical for, a metaphorical rainbow after the rain, you know? That that color is the new life for you. And I'm just so inspired by you coming here. And I just hope that you have so many celebrations ahead and getting to hear your story and school and all the new things you have. There's gonna be so much to celebrate. So you can pop that confetti along the way. Thank you, Gracie. And thank you, Allie, for sharing. And I know that your story, it's going to impact people that hear this, in, maybe in this room or on the podcast later. But yeah, we want you to be able to go take that. And yes, like Gracie said, pop it in your new beginning. Celebrate this new life ahead, because that's what you have. And we talked about writing, but just quickly we'll go over mantras or a thing, which I used to be like, okay, yeah, yeah, blah, who cares? But Allie, I think it was like four years ago, five, six, I don't know, long, long time ago, Allie and I would be at yoga and she'd be like, oh my gosh, yes, you need to get this mantra journal. Who was, uh, no, no, book. It's Who's her name? I think it was Louise Hay. Her. Yeah. She's very famous for this, yeah. by the way. I had no <laughs> idea who she was. And then I got the book and it just wasn't my thing. But then now I'm desperately looking for the book because it's somewhere in a I drawer. I can get you another copy. Yeah, because <laughs> they can be powerful. And so we'll just close out the second thing with you have purpose and you can take this and repeat it to yourself with an eye, like in your own time, but just... Allie and I want to say to you, 
everybody here, all my people, we want to say to you, you have purpose, you can release control, you can trust yourself, you are capable, and you can have a full and beautiful life. It is Heck possible. Yes. It is possible. Yes. Okay, so with that said, second thing is concluded, Thank and you. we'll move on. Thank you, Allie. All right, so a lot of us are guilty of doing that whole last-minute shopping thing when it comes to holidays, like Mother's Day. You might be in that position right now, and that makes it challenging to find a great gift for mom, but don't worry. Macy's Gift Finder makes it incredibly fast and easy to find the right gift just in time for Mother's Day. So whether the mom in your life is a fashionista or maybe even a photographer or a fanatic about yoga, Macy's Gift Finder has got so many great gift ideas to make her feel special. Now, Mother's Day is May 12th, so make sure you make note of that. Don't have much time. That's okay. Macy's has got you covered. And you can shop by price. $25 and under or $100 and under. You can shop by category, fragrances, handbags, and more. Or they've got gift lists, like for the mom who has everything, gifts that are already wrapped and ready to be gifted, or gifts for grandma. Top gifts include Beats headphones, digital photo frame, Polaroid camera. That would be so awesome to receive. Or my personal favorite, man, I would love to get this as a gift, Samsung Smart TV The Frame. Go to Macy's.com slash gift finder. Again, it's pretty easy. Just head on over to Macy's.com slash gift finder for the perfect inspiration for Mother's Day. All right. If you want to look cute and feel comfortable at the same time when you're, you know, at a festival or concert because it's festival and concert season right now, it's got to be all about the boots. And Tacova's boots is where it's at. That is your stop before attending your next concert. I've loved my Tacovas. Anytime I wear them or I get a new pair, they feel comfortable on the first wear. I don't have to break them in. Tacovas has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. And all Tacovas boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition, which is super cool. They've got timeless styles that are always on trend. And really, you just got to stop by your local Tacova store, try them on for yourself, and see what I'm talking about. You can have a complimentary drink while you're there, shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and a friendly staff are at your service. Many stores have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized, which I love. And they've got regular live music and events. There's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it to a store, just visit tacovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Hey, it's Amy here to talk about the incredible work being done by St. Jude Children's Research Hospital and ask you today to join me in becoming a partner in hope. When you make a donation to St. Jude, you're helping an organization that has helped push the overall childhood cancer survival rate from 20% to more than 80%. And I can tell you from personal experience, that number and the hope that it brings is invaluable. What they are doing at St. Jude is making a huge difference. It is full of joy there, which a lot of families need at that time. They don't need to be worrying about travel, lodging, food. Everything is paid for at St. Jude so that families can focus on their child that has cancer. Your support means families never receive a bill from St. Jude. It's only $19 a month. And when you sign up, you'll get the new This Shirt Saves Lives shirt. Join me in helping St. Jude in the fight against childhood cancer. Become a partner in hope at musicgives.org. That's musicgives.org. 
Stevenson. Okay, I got a little envelope from a dude. Thank you, Stevenson. I'm coming down there real quick to do something with y'all. Okay, is Heather here? Oh, hi. Did you know I was gonna call your name? Oh, you felt, she felt it, she felt the energy. I mean, I know that you literally had no idea that I was gonna call your name. Okay, so back in 2014, we were having our first Joy Week on the Bobby Bone Show. And Pimp and Joy was, it was like just started, it was a whole thing, and it's about spreading joy to others. And so on the Bobby Bone Show, we put out a call to action to our listeners, like, hey, go spread joy this week, whatever that looks like. You can smile at someone, you can open the door for someone, it doesn't have to be monetary at all whatsoever. And this woman called in to the show during Joy Week and she said, hi, I don't listen to y'all, I don't even know who y'all are, but I found your number this morning because yesterday I was at the tire shop and I'm a single mom, I needed new tires, but I thought it was just gonna be one and then the guy working was like, oh no ma'am, you need four new tires. And she was like, I, I can only afford one, I'm, I'm getting one tire. And the guy behind her in line said, put all four on my card. And she was like, what? No, I can't take that. So then he said, no, 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 it's Joy Week on the show that I listen to, and this is Pimp and Joy. <laughs> He's like, I have to do this. So she's like, what show? <laughs> Is this? And he's like, Bobby Bone Show. She's like, okay. So I don't even know who this man is to this day. All we know is this woman called in and shared this story with us. And obviously, for me, it gave me chills because I'm like, oh my gosh, this impacted this single mom. And this movement started with my mom and her cancer journey. And she was a single mom. I know for her, at times, having to buy four tires at once would have been like a, a thing. So it's interesting, this tie-in, but... Moody's Tires based here in Franklin, and they've been in business and Brentwood, like Nashville area for 75 years, and they're an amazing family. And I know this might seem really random to like give away four tires at a live podcast, <laughs> but they are generously giving you Heather, because we drew your seat for tires. And so all I have to do is go down to Moody in Franklin. Do you live here? Okay, so you just go down there and voila, the tires are yours whenever you eventually need them. Shut up! I need four new tires, yeah. Okay, well, I knew it. I was like, okay, y'all, I don't know how this tire thing is going to go, but I'm just going to trust that, like, whoever needs to get the tires is going to get the tires. And Heather happens to need four new tires. So thank you, Moody. They're an amazing family. Like, there's been times while I've been on 65 and I got a flat tire and I've been pulled over, but I'm like on my way to work and I got to get to work because if you're late to the Bobby Bone Show, you get sent home early. <laughs> so I call Eddie. He's on 65. I'm like, Eddie, you got to come pick me up. I'm going to leave my car on the side of the road. I got to hop in with you because I'm not going to be late. And then I call Moody and I'm like, hey, my car's sitting on the side of 65. Like, can you help? And they've rescued me multiple times. And so they, I love Moody and I love the family and I love what they do. And so. When I think of tires, I also think of my first car ever, which was a 1985 red Ford Bronco, full size, with big tires, and I loved it. I wish I had kept it. I should have, because it'd probably be worth way more, <laughs> especially with the Bronco comeback, but I sold it. So 
when I think back to that car and how happy I was in there, it's because I got to get on the highway, I-35 in Austin, Texas, roll the windows down, put in the chicks, Fly was my favorite CD, and I would definitely uh, turn up this song. So right now I want to welcome to the stage my friend and super talented singer-songwriter, your third thing for tonight, Brittany Spencer. Hello friends, how are you? Isn't this a fun day? I love this for us, it's like brunch. But we're eating stuff for our soul and our hearts. Thank you so much, Amy, for, for putting this event together. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. I know we all appreciate it. Yeah. So, fun fact, Brittany and I met at a grocery store. What, what year was that? It was years ago. Like 2018? 20, yeah, I mean, 17 maybe? I'm not sure. But we started a friendship and I had no idea she even sang, which why did you never even bring that up? Because like I didn't want you to think I wanted anything from you. I just, I don't know. I just, I liked you. You were just nice. Like literally, like we built a friendship and she was like, yeah, we got these new hoodies out and they were like the, the Pimp and Joy. What was it? It was like the neon ones. The rainbow. They were so fire. And she like went home and brought, like came back and brought me one. She was just the kindest person, and I just, I just, I didn't, I'm young. You have too many Instagram followers. I just didn't, yeah, I didn't want to do day, anything. And then, and then one day she DM'd me, and she said, hey, I'm, I'm not going to be able to make your beet ginger lemon uh, juice anymore because I'm going on the road. And I was like, on the road? What do you do? Like, you're making, like, juice on the road? And she's like, no, I got a gig doing background vocals for I don't even know what. Her oh. new or oh, I remember I was singing backgrounds for Christopher Cross that year. Okay, that was fun. So fun. Best '80s life. But then we decided to start to keep in touch, and the next thing you know, she's like here, or there. I start to see her everywhere, and then she's like singing with Marin Morris and the High Women, and <laughs> opening for Marin, and it's really cool to see you flourish and chase your dreams. And I love that you weren't going to let anybody define what you were going to do. And that's when it comes to worth, you get to define your worth, not anybody else. And how have you seen that show up for yourself in country music? If you don't know your worth, no one else does. I've not seen a lot of people that look like me in country music. I've not heard a lot of people that sound like me in country music. And it's been a road. I've never really been a person with high self-esteem and who had a high sense of self-worth. Uh, but I quickly learned that uh, if I don't know my worth, nobody else will. And if you don't know that you are worthy of love and respect, it's just not, it, you, you won't, even if it's given to you, you won't even recognize it, accept it. You, you, won't, you won't take it in like you should. And uh, it means something to know that I'm worth something here. And it means something to know that what I'm doing is much bigger than myself. And uh, I think that's what keeps me going in the times where I feel like this, you know, I'm, I'm too much of, I'm, I feel like a <laughs> show most of my life. Every day I wake up and I'm like, what's next, Brittany? <laughs> what, what are you about to do today? And, uh, and you know, that's weird and wrong. But um, it, it, it really does take some, uh, 
like learning to trust myself, learning to, to trust that I have something that's valuable and that I am valuable. If I never sing another note a day in my life, I still am me and I'm valuable and I'm worthy of love and, and uh, defining myself off of that and not just my abilities, it keeps me going. It messes me up too, but it mainly keeps me going. Hey, we love the honesty for sure. And you are a gift. Oh, I got a lot more if you want it. <laughs> you're a gift and you're a gift to country music. And I'm so glad that you're here. So for me, the last few years have been very, very stormy. And you always talk about, oh, you go through the storms and you come out the other side and there's a rainbow. For me, things got so dark that I didn't know... I was like, I don't, I don't understand where this rainbow is, but I'm, I'm, I'm going to be faithful in it. I'm going to follow it. And I learned how to do that, too, because, I mean, my mom with Pimp and Joy gave me that gift. And someone else that is a listener of the show, of Four Things and The Fifth Thing, her name is Itzel, and I would love for her to come out because she also has been weathering some storms the last couple of years. And she has a very powerful story. And I invited her to come to the show. She doesn't live in Nashville, but she would email in. Hi, it's Elle. Hi. Hello, everybody. And where did you come from? I came about two hours. I'm in Jackson, Tennessee, but I'm from Texas. Yeah. So she's from Texas, and she started sending emails into four things. We just started corresponding back and forth, and then I read her email on a fifth thing, and then another listener named Sarah was like, oh my gosh, Itzel's story really resonated with me. I would like to do something for her because I've been trying to live out, never suppress a generous thought. And so then she spread love to you. And there's this whole back and forth thing. And then Itzel has some exciting news lately. Well, just your personal life, things you've been through. So I'd love for you to share some of that and then where you are and in the storms and how you've been able to, to see the rainbow, which is where I feel like I'm at finally. When I first wrote in, I had written about... Um... I had gotten a biopsy done, and I was waiting to find out, and I had a feeling I knew it was going to be positive, and I was going to be diagnosed with breast cancer. But during that time, I took a trip to Austin, which made me think of you, and I had listened to the podcast talking about, you know, what does this make possible? And so it was during a really hard time because my dad had gotten diagnosed July of the previous year. And so I'd gone into CRNA school, which is pretty difficult to get into. I had done the application, all the things. And literally the day that I was packing up my house, I'd just gotten married in April. And my dad showed up to help us pack and he looked terrible. And so I was like, you can't help us pack. Like you can't, you can barely move. We need to take you to the ER. And so we went to the ER and they told us that it was metastatic cancer. It was everywhere. And we were supposed to leave that day. I stayed with my dad. My husband moved to Tennessee here. He moved everything. And I had to make a difficult choice of do I stay and care for my dad or do I continue with school? I went to school orientation reluctantly. My dad made me go. And I was presented the opportunity with, hey, you're in a really difficult situation. We will let you postpone school for a year. Take this time and spend it with your dad because it's stage four and you likely don't have a lot of time left with him. And so we had to scramble to find somebody to take over our lease. My husband and I moved in with my parents and we just kind of helped care for my dad. And it wasn't looking good. He started chemo and he started doing better, miraculously getting better. And so we were like, okay, this is looking good. I'm moving, I'm gonna go to Tennessee, start school. And then 
I decided to get genetic testing done because my dad's oncologist um, advised me to do it. So anybody that has any family history, please go get it done. And I came back positive, but still that didn't mean anything. It was just, I just had to be a little bit more careful, but something in me just didn't feel right. And so when I went to an appointment with the OB oncologist, just to kind of see what monitoring would look like, She's like, well, you're so young. You're only 31. You know, we'll do a mammogram and all the things when you're 35. I'm like, well, why can't we just do it now? You know, I'm on high alert because of my dad. So anyway, I pushed. I advocated for myself to get the MRI done. And sure enough, it came back highly suspicious for cancer. Then everything just kind of happened so fast. I got the biopsy done. It came back positive. But I was supposed to start school in a month. And so I found myself again a year later in the same position of like, this dream's just never gonna happen for me. Like maybe it's not meant to be, but I was like, you know what, I can do it. I can do it, I will get chemo, I will have radiation, I will work with my school schedule. And I reached out to my director and he was like, it's gonna be tough, but if you wanna try, try it. And so I did, <laughs> moved out here, I finished chemo, I finished radiation, and I'm in my second semester of CRNA school. My last chemo, my husband surprised me with all of my classmates there to ring the bell. And so I think that's what I wrote in with my, thank you, with, with my email was that, like this whole crazy journey, what did that make possible was I was able to feel all that love. And I'm really happy to say that my dad is still here. He is, it's almost been two years since he's been diagnosed and he's still here. Um, so it's, it truly has been, I think, also my rainbow year of just really, really heavy storms. Something that you said to me, too, was that along with feeling the love, but where there's a will, there's a way, and you were determined, and I would love to just say your strength and tenacity is contagious to so many, and it's super impressive, and you know that your life is worth something, and you're going to fight for it. And... You know, we're two people that are standing here before you that have been through some storms, and I know so many of you out there have been either in the past, currently, next month, in the next few years. You never know what's going to happen. And while we can see the rainbow now, we're still going to go through other storms. But I think, for me, I'm just holding a little more loosely to the umbrella because I feel like the last couple years I was gripped so tight to it because I was like, oh, what's gonna happen next? What's gonna happen next? The next thing's gonna knock me down. But now I've given myself that permission to be like, okay, there's hope on the other side of this. I just know it. So the next storm, I'm not gonna be gripping it so tightly because I know that there's the rainbow, which leads to Brittany doing a cover of Casey Musgraves, Rainbow. Thank you, Itzel. Thank you. All right, so a lot of us are guilty of doing that whole last-minute shopping thing when it comes to holidays, like Mother's Day. You might be in that position right now, and that makes it challenging to find a great gift for mom. But don't worry, Macy's Gift Finder makes it incredibly fast and easy to find the right gift just in time for Mother's Day. So whether the mom in your life is a fashionista, or maybe even a photographer, or a fanatic about yoga. Macy's Gift Finder has got so many great gift ideas to make her feel special. Now, Mother's Day is May 12th, so make sure you make note of that. Don't have much time. That's okay. Macy's has got you covered. And you can shop by price, 
$25 and under or $100 and under, you can shop by category, fragrances, handbags, and more. Or they've got gift lists, like for the mom who has everything, gifts that are already wrapped and ready to be gifted, or gifts for grandma. Top gifts include Beats headphones, digital photo frame, Polaroid camera. That would be so awesome to receive. Or my personal favorite, man, I would love to get this as a gift, Samsung Smart TV The Frame. Go to Macy's.com slash gift finder. Again, it's pretty easy. Just head on over to Macy's.com slash gift finder for the perfect inspiration for Mother's Day. All right, if you want to look cute and feel comfortable at the same time when you're, you know, at a festival or concert because it's festival and concert season right now, it's got to be all about the boots. And Tacova's boots is where it's at. That is your stop before attending your next concert. I've loved my Tacovas anytime I wear them or I get a new pair. They feel comfortable on the first wear. I don't have to break them in. Tacovas has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. And all Tacovas boots are made by hand in a time honored tradition, which is super cool. They've got timeless styles that are always on trend. And really, you just got to stop by your local Tacova store, try them on for yourself, and see what I'm talking about. You can have a complimentary drink while you're there, shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and a friendly staff are at your service. Many stores have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized, which I love. And they've got regular live music and events. There's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it to a store, just visit tacovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Hey, it's Amy here to talk about the incredible work being done by St. Jude Children's Research Hospital and ask you today to join me in becoming a partner in hope. When you make a donation to St. Jude, you're helping an organization that has helped push the overall childhood cancer survival rate from 20% to more than 80%. And I can tell you from personal experience, that number and the hope that it brings is invaluable. What they are doing at St. Jude is making a huge difference. It is full of joy there, which a lot of families need at that time. They don't need to be worrying about travel, lodging, food. Everything is paid for at St. Jude so that families can focus on their child that has cancer. Your support means families never receive a bill from St. Jude. It's only $19 a month. And when you sign up, you'll get the new This Shirt Saves Lives shirt. Join me in helping St. Jude in the fight against childhood cancer. Become a partner in hope at musicgives.org. That's musicgives.org. In addition to Brittany being uh, just a friend, she's also been an amazing mentor and and friend to my daughter, Stashira. And there's been so many times where we've had to call Brittany at like 10 o'clock at night and be like, can you help with a hair situation? Because I have no idea what I'm doing. And um, she's always so gracious. You've even come over like at night and you're like, here, do this right now. Use this product. Sleep in this. It's it's all good. Call this person tomorrow. I got you. Um, and so that's been very special, and her and Stashira have a sweet bond, and they've gone to Lizzo, and apparently Stashira FaceTimed Brittany last weekend, and Brittany's working in Australia doing something, and Stashira's like, I need help, I've lost my voice. But the reason why Stashira was worried, and she wants her voice, because she's going to come out and sing a song right now. So, um, 
This is Tashira, my 15-year-old daughter, and we were sitting around the kitchen table one night, and Brittany was over, and I wanted to write a theme song for my Outway podcast for Disordered Eating. And we came up with it, and then Tashira was a part of it, and then we just kind of sang it together, and then Tashira wanted to sing it with Brittany here tonight, so that's exactly what they're going to do. Here's Brittany Spitzer featuring Tashira. And Amy Outway. Brown? No. Yes. Yes. No. You literally co-wrote this song. I did. You did. You literally wrote this song. Why are you hiding? I'll stand here. And that then... curtain doesn't even go with the outfit. You have to come over here. Okay. I'll stand here. Go. Okay. Go. Cool. 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 <laughs> ah, you ready to share? You can see the words, all right? like this so can y'all give it up for her it is not easy to do what she did she freaking did it twice today you're incredible yes okay and we gave it up whoa, whoa, what is what Brittany I want you to give a shout out to your band and uh, then I'll give y'all a proper send-off since we just sent Stashira off so <laughs> these are my friends John McNally on keys Gabe Verdulis who tried to leave just now <laughs> Thank you so much for having us. I love you, Amy. Thank you thank all for you, taking good care you. of my friend. Okay, Brittany Spencer. <laughs> okay, so just to recap, we're about to get into the fourth thing, but first thing was you're not crazy, you're not alone, your brain's just doing its thing, but the good news is, you know, you can, you can change the narrative. Um, second thing was Allie with some tools to help you start that process. And then third thing was a little music therapy and knowing that you get to define your worth, nobody else. And so now it's time for the fourth thing and I'm gonna bring out my friend and licensed therapist, Kat Devada. Okay, so Kat, we're gonna talk about trying because well, trying, trying is cool. cool. If you listen to the fifth thing, you know. So we're gonna, there's like four things though that are in when it comes to like trying. Mm -hmm. So you can start there. Yeah, well you mentioned this earlier, thank you for the foreshadowing. But when I think of trying, there's four things I think of. Confidence, vulnerability, fear, and worthiness. And what I kinda wanna do with this time is talk about how all of those tie in 
to how we show up and if we go out and try the things we want to try or not. And when I think of people that I envy in the way that they just go out and they just like go for it, they see something and they just like do it no matter what, the things that come up in my head are, oh, I wish I had that confidence, or I wish I could build that confidence or figure out how to build that confidence, or oh, I wish I could be fearless. And there's three things about all those thoughts that I'm gonna tell y'all as I tell myself as well. And the first one, which Ali kind of hit on, which I love, is that when we're thinking, oh, I really wish I had that person's confidence that was up there, I think most of the time we're thinking, oh, I wish I had their sense of worthiness. Because the real difference between those people that are going out and doing it and trying it and going for it is that they believe that no matter what happens with the thing they're trying, they're still worthy of love, belonging, connection, all that stuff we really want. And then the second thing that I wanna mention is that it's not that these people are out here not afraid because that they have this sense of worthiness and they have this sense of confidence. It's that with that sense of worthiness and with that sense of confidence, I can go out and do it while I'm scared, which we know, if you listen to the fifth thing, hopefully you know this, but that fear is really just one of those things. It's the emotion that shows us, hey, I think you really care about this thing. It's not always a stop sign that says, hey, don't do this. And then the last thing is, it's so funny that we ask ourselves, oh, I wanna build that. I wish I could find that worthiness. I wish I could build that confidence because we are born straight out of the womb with a whole lot of confidence and a whole lot of worthiness. There's not one baby that doesn't believe that they're worthy of whoever's taking care of them to take care of them. It's like the free gift you get for being birthed. And so all of those things together to me says that the people that are going out there and trying, they're doing it because they know that regardless of what happens, I really am gonna be okay. Even if it doesn't go the way I want it to go, I'm gonna be okay. And my favorite way to kind of prove this is to ask the question, what would you do if you only had to be 60% good? If the expectation was that you'd be like a little above average, like what would you do? So are you willing to share that? Well, there's a lot of things I would do, but I think of this being an example because I wanted to do lives for a long, long time. And I feel like what you're saying is as a kid, I mean, honestly, I filmed little talk shows in my laundry room with me and me. Like, <laughs> yeah, and, and the, 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 the camcorder, but I was the camera guy and we had it converted and in Wichita, I showed it at the first live show. because I was like, this was foreshadowing. This was my first show in laundry room. And at the end of the video, you see me getting really mad at my cameraman because he's not turning off the camera. And I, ugh. but I mean, I was the camera person. So, but you know, I was acting in that moment. So I think of acting's another one. Like I have had the opportunity to do some and I'm taking lessons. And I feel like every time I go do that, but I feel like as I was, if I was a kid, and I wanted to host a live show, I'd have been like, oh, yeah, no problem, let's do this. Oh, you want me to act? Okay, yeah, no problem, let's do this. Like, I would have had all the confidence in the world. But in, instead, now, it's like, oh, ugh, this is, okay, we have to put tickets on sale, and then people would have to get them, and what if nobody comes, and why would I do that, and who am I to do it, and somebody else is already doing it. And so, if as a, if as a kid, if I was super confident, then 
as the therapist, Kat? Like, what happened to us? <laughs> well, <laughs> we're going to get there. But, but so you just basically said that I, if I was a kid, I would do all these things. You, yeah, like, answered easy. my question. No yes, problem. I would do all these yeah. things. And it is, when we are kids, we, like, have this automatic permission to be a beginner that we lose at some point. And if I think about me as a kid, I played every sport that's been invented. I played soccer, I played basketball, I was on the swim team, I did tennis, I did ballet, I did gymnastics. I'm, I'm gonna stop because I could just keep going. But I did everything. And I even went so far, I was on my like neighborhood swim team, but then I was like, I'm gonna take it a step further and I'm gonna join the year-round swim team, which is like, that was a serious swimmers. And I was like, I wanna try that. Regardless of how many Super Swimmer awards I got on the neighborhood swim team, which, are you familiar with Super Swimmers? Like you're super at it? Like you were the best? Like a super... It's like the way they build up the confidence for the kids that are always in last place. So it's the participation award. I've only ever got a participation award. So I was like, I'm going to join the year-round swim team. And even with that, I also then couldn't, and I still cannot, dive. So I joined the year-round swim team, and I was the one, and like, God bless my parents for like still sitting in the front row. I was the one, they blew the whistle, and I would like full send a cannonball in, and everybody else was just like diving, and I'm like, oh, yes, awesome. So, but the, my point in that is that like, as a kid, I did not care. Like, I tried swimming because I wanted to try. I didn't try it because I was like, ooh, I wonder if I'm gonna get a first place. I knew I was gonna get the super swimmer. Like, I knew that. And yeah, I just... Okay, so yes, as kids, mm -hmm. what I'm hearing you say is that basically you were Michael Phelps and I was Oprah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yes, thank yes. you. Okay, so what, what happened, happened to us? us? Well, that so we experienced the world. Really, the world happened to us, and mm -hmm. as kids, we're really confident and we believe in our worthiness, but at the same time, we think, because we're egocentric at that point in our life, that everything that's happening around us is about us, whether it's good or whether it's bad. And so if something bad happens and it doesn't feel good, we do this thing where we kind of like get these protective layers in different ways that we don't know we're doing this because I don't think we know these fancy words that I'm about to say, but it cuts us off from vulnerability because we don't want to feel that bad thing again. That was shame and it just feels icky as a kid. And through time, after those things happen over and over again, we have all those layers, we get further and further and further away from that confidence or worthiness that we used to just have. And I just told you that story about me um, when I was, I guess probably in third grade, third, fourth grade, I wanted to be on the swim team. Well, in fifth grade, I was still that super worthy, confident girl, and I was playing kickball at recess in Mr. Plunk's class, and I loved kickball. And this girl came up to where our class was, and she yelled across, I don't know what to call it, like a kickball court or a kickball field, but it was on pavement, so it's a court field. So she, she yelled across the court field, hey, Catherine DeFada, which if you are new to me, my name is Catherine DeFada. She said, hey, Catherine DeFada, it looks like you need to stop drinking so many strawberry milkshakes and start drinking some strawberry Slim Fast. Yeah. But in the moment, publicly, I said, yeah, well, I don't even like strawberry milkshakes. <laughs> 
<laughs> Meanwhile, I totally do. Um, <laughs> But inside, I didn't show this to my class at that moment. It was really when I got home. But it, at that moment, I was completely crushed. I was mortified. I was embarrassed. And I, it was, it's one of the most vivid memories I have as a kid. Because in that moment, I started to actually like, recognize the things that like, maybe weren't that great about me. And so that's where I started kind of putting on those layers. And for me, from that, I started putting on these layers where I wouldn't show up as my full self. And I would hold myself back from, and this goes like further into my life, but I would hold myself back from relationships. So God, I would never want to put myself out there because I already know that nobody's going to like me because I need to be on some fast. And then to make up for that, because I have to feel something about myself, I started hustling for my worth, or really a manufactured version of it, by being an overachiever and having straight A's all the time. In sixth grade, I locked myself in my room for like probably a week because I got one B on my report card. And I, I thought that to get into college, you had to have all A's. So like, that's how drastic it got. I cannot relate to that. <laughs> what, me being bullied or me getting good grades? No. <laughs> Locking myself in my bedroom because I got a B. Like yeah. I would have never. Yeah. Like I wasn't. I would. I wasn't an overachiever in school, <laughs> but I think that there was stuff that happened to me that led to that. And there was untreated ADHD, and teachers sometimes didn't really know what to do with me. And I talked a lot. I was very social, and so therefore there wasn't a lot of expectations. But teachers started to send me that message, and then I started to believe oh, well, there's no high expectations of me, so why try? And then my parents, God bless them, but they, they didn't even ask for report cards. So I didn't really care. Like, nobody was asking to see how I was. And I wasn't looking for attention with grades in any way. So there is a very vivid memory, like similar to what you felt in fifth grade. And of course, there's a few, but this one stands out to me. And it was right before I was transitioning from high school to college, which I think is a pivotal time to believe in yourself. And I was on this committee that was hosting something at our school, and I got put in charge of the speech for Lincoln Rose. He was a kid in my grade. He was getting it. Ugh. Like, I wasn't getting it. But I was going to give him the speech that would give him the award. And the teacher that was in charge of it, she was my chemistry teacher, except for, get this, there was AP chemistry, then there was chemistry, and then there was chemistry in the community. Which class do you think I was in? <laughs> chemistry and community? Yeah. That's it. So that was their sweet way of saying, like, eh, we're going to kind of teach you chemistry, but... <laughs> So, but she taught all three. So my, my teacher was AP, she was, and then I think honestly to her ChemCom class, she's kind of like, okay, these guys. But I was like, I'm gonna sign up, I'm gonna be on this committee and I'm gonna give a speech. And I had never spoken publicly really anywhere, especially like that in front of a whole school, alumni, all these people gathered together. And I worked so hard on this speech about Lincoln and no idea where he is today, but him and the whole experience, he has no idea that like this is still a narrative that's in my head. So afterwards, I am so proud of myself. I did a good job. I know I did. I was up there. Other people were like, oh my gosh, that was, that was, that was so good. It was a thing. And I felt good when I got off stage. And then the committee went to a meeting after the thing and we're talking about, oh, it's so good, blah, blah, blah. And then the teacher is like, Amy, oh my gosh, I was not expecting that. 
like just this very, I was confident and then I deflated because she literally was like, there's no, it wasn't like a, oh my gosh, you did so great. Let me stop there. It was like, you did so great. And I'm so shocked right now because I have zero expectations for you to do great. And wow, who would have thought that, I think she put it this way, I was a cheerleader. I don't even know how I made the team quite honestly, but I was a cheerleader, and I think she said something about, like, the cheerleader came through or something like that. And I was like, okay. So I immediately just went from, like, excited for myself and, like, wow, this is good to, like, okay, this final nail in the coffin that I'm not smart. That narrative had been building, building, building. And then I get to college and all kinds of things unravel because I'm not smart. I mean, there's a whole semester I withdrew, which is a whole other story, but it's because I had little faith in myself. All right, so a lot of us are guilty of doing that whole last minute shopping thing when it comes to holidays. Like Mother's Day, you might be in that position right now, and that makes it challenging to find a great gift for mom. But don't worry, Macy's Gift Finder makes it incredibly fast and easy to find the right gift just in time for Mother's Day. So whether the mom in your life is a fashionista, or maybe even a photographer, or a fanatic about yoga. Macy's Gift Finder has got so many great gift ideas to make her feel special. Now, Mother's Day is May 12th, so make sure you make note of that. Don't have much time. That's okay. Macy's has got you covered. And you can shop by price, $25 and under or $100 and under. You can shop by category, fragrances, handbags, and more. Or they've got gift lists, like for the mom who has everything, gifts that are already wrapped and ready to be gifted, or gifts for grandma. Top gifts include Beats headphones, digital photo frame, Polaroid camera. That would be so awesome to receive. Or my personal favorite, man, I would love to get this as a gift, Samsung Smart TV The Frame. Go to Macy's.com slash gift finder. Again, it's pretty easy. Just head on over to Macy's.com slash gift finder for the perfect inspiration for Mother's Day. All right, if you want to look cute and feel comfortable at the same time when you're, you know, at a festival or a concert because it's festival and concert season right now, it's got to be all about the boots. And Tacova's boots is where it's at. That is your stop before attending your next concert. I've loved my Tacovas anytime I wear them or I get a new pair. They feel comfortable on the first wear. I don't have to break them in. Tacovas has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. And all Tacovas boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition, which is super cool. They've got timeless styles that are always on trend. And really, you just got to stop by your local Tacova store, try them on for yourself, and see what I'm talking about. You can have a complimentary drink while you're there, shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and a friendly staff are at your service. Many stores have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized, which I love. And they've got regular live music and events. There's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it to a store, just visit tacovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Hey, it's Amy here to talk about the incredible work being done by St. Jude Children's Research Hospital and ask you today to join me in becoming a partner in Hope. 
When you make a donation to St. Jude, you're helping an organization that has helped push the overall childhood cancer survival rate from 20% to more than 80%. And I can tell you from personal experience, that number and the hope that it brings is invaluable. What they are doing at St. Jude is making a huge difference. It is full of joy there, which a lot of families need at that time. They don't need to be worrying about travel, lodging, food. Everything is paid for at St. Jude so that families can focus on their child that has cancer. Your support means families never receive a bill from St. Jude. It's only $19 a month. And when you sign up, you'll get the new This Shirt Saves Lives shirt. Join me in helping St. Jude in the fight against childhood cancer. Become a partner in hope at musicgives.org. That's musicgives.org. It's because I had little faith in myself. And I know now, I'm working on it, I know now that I'm capable and I know now that I'm smart. But I'm telling y'all for years, and that goes back to that finance story that I shared earlier, it really is because, yes, I was scared of money, one thing, because my dad. But then I also saw my mom really, like, take care of herself after he left and she had to get a job for the first time. And, like, she took care of herself and she did it. And it wasn't easy but I had a good example, but then I think that narrative married up with the, the fear of money, that I'm not smart, that it's like, okay, well, then I'm just going to step back and hand the reins over to somebody else, and then you have no agency over your life. Yeah, and you just proved, you just showed us that confidence and worthiness, it's literally not about building it and going out there and, like, finding it somewhere, like, digging it up. It's about shedding those stories. Because I know for me, and I want to say for you too, like the only difference between the girl before I went out to recess that day and the girl that left recess that day was the shame blanket I picked up. That's the only difference. I was literally the same thing, but I walked through life so differently. And so if we want to find that again, we have to shed those layers, which is terrifying because we pick those things up for a reason. We aren't like, oh, I want to hide myself from all the good things in life. We do it for a reason. And through a lot of therapy and, you know, as an adult, you understand things a little differently. I can now say, and I want to say this for your teacher too, even though I don't know her, but what that girl said about me, and I don't know if you guys are, you know, coming up with stories in your head of like, oh, I have this one time and this one time, and I remember this person saying this to me. That girl, the thing that she said about me, literally had nothing to do with me at all. I can see that now, but I didn't know that then. And what I know now is that thing that she said, that was her way of hustling for her worthiness. And that's how she got that. And so through that, through me figuring that out, I got to say, okay, I don't really need this blanket anymore because it's keeping me from something that is not even there. And so you were talking about all the stuff and how it transpired through your life. And so I'm curious, when you made the transition from I'm not capable, you have this narrative that says I'm not smart, I'm not capable, and then you have these people that are kind of like, yeah, you're not smart, you're not capable. What did you have to do in order to like push through that to make the shift? Like, what did you actually have to do? Okay, well, then I, well, I had to admit that... Yeah, okay, so I had to go to people and say, I don't know how to get into my bank account. I need help. Or I don't know how to check this balance. I need help. I don't know how to log in and look at my paycheck. I need help. There's a lot of shame associated with that. I wasn't proud of that. And some of the people that I was asking uh, could have 
you know, laughed at me, and that would have hurt my feelings for sure. But I guess I didn't care, because I had gotten to a point where if anybody thought any less of me or laughed at me or did whatever, it didn't matter. I was to a point where I was like, okay, I'm scared to do this, but I'm doing it anyway because it's worth it. It's the only way I'm going to get there. Yeah, well, you're saying I had to be vulnerable. Yes. Yeah, I had to show up and be vulnerable. I had to allow myself to show up in the world like the girl before that teacher said that thing. Yeah, and ask for help. And yeah. quite honestly, I mean, I still have help in different things. Like, you'd be surprised all the stuff that comes up when you're adulting. <laughs> now, now that my eyes are open, I'm like, I have to, I'm like, oh, okay. So who do we call for that? But it's <laughs> you know? so weird because asking for help is like a normal thing to do. I don't know how, you know what, my boyfriend's dad actually said something that made me feel really good a couple weeks ago because he's doing my taxes. And I was asking him questions or something. And I told Patrick to tell his dad, tell him that I'm not stupid and tell him that like, I really do know what I'm doing. And his dad replied, it's okay if you don't know how to do your taxes. I don't know how to be a therapist. We don't have to know everything about everything. But if you have a narrative in your head that says you're dumb or you're stupid or you're not capable, then that starts to apply to everything. Like, I don't know this thing. And so now that goes back to that same narrative. And going back to you saying I had to be vulnerable, it's so interesting that when it comes to vulnerability, and I, again, I want you guys to kind of think about this as we're telling these stories, when it comes to vulnerability, it's something that I look in other people and I'm like, oh, that's awesome. But I am not willing to show that a lot of times because when I see it in you, I see you're so strong and you're so courageous and you're so brave. And when it comes to me, I think, oh, I'm a failure, I'm weak, and that's embarrassing. And Brene Brown defines vulnerability as risk, uncertainty, and emotional exposure, which is terrifying. It sounds terrifying because it literally is terrifying. But she also at the same time says that it is the birthplace of love, courage, joy, connection, all of the things that we really, really want in our lives. And so going back to the people that try, the people that try are not threatened by that risk. That's what you're saying. Like I no longer was threatened by that risk. I knew the risk was there. Vulnerability opens you up to get punched in the gut. It opens you up to get hurt again, but also that is the actual path to everything I want. And at some point, getting back on that path got more important than like staying away and not getting hurt anymore. And that's what we're perceiving as the confidence. Like some people might seem like, oh, she's doing this live. Oh, wow, she's, she's confident. And I was watching other people do lives where I was like, wow, I wish I could do that like them. And so I think it all ties up, like you're saying, that's the confidence part, which Mel Robbins, <laughs> I was listening to something the other day where she defined confidence as the simple thing, and it's literally confidence is trying. That's it. Boom. Boom. Confidence is trying. And of course, we love that because trying, trying is cool. cool. <laughs> like, that's our thing. Like, trying is so cool. So I don't know what it is that you need to try, but hopefully this will be your permission to do that. Mm -hmm. And... I'm just so thankful that everybody is here. There's something I know you want to try in your life, but there is something holding you back. So I just want to get to this real quick. If you just want to introduce yourself, where you're from, and what it is 
that you're wanting to try. So I'm Megan. I flew here from Alaska. <laughs> and I DM'd Amy when she announced the show, and I said, like, I'm flying by myself from Alaska. <laughs> like, is it going to be okay that I'm, like, solo, like, in the front row? And she was like, oh, absolutely. So one of the things that, as I've been sitting here thinking about it, is I was a victim of abuse in my childhood for, like, 10 years. I have worked so hard to separate myself from my childhood. I wanted to be, quote, successful, so I have a really good career. I've been married to my husband for 10 years, but I'm so afraid of being a mom. And that's because how my mom handled the abuse that I suffered was almost more traumatic than the abuse itself. So my question is, how do I shift that mindset to allow myself to be a mom? You can't really try being a mom without. <laughs> like, it's permanent. <laughs> so how do you move forward with that? In seventh grade, we carried eggs. The eggs. <laughs> just kidding. Well, I just hope that what you see from what's been shared here is that there's always opportunity to dig deeper and work through some of the trauma that you have from what you experienced with your mom. And I'm not an expert by any means. Why are you laughing at that? I think you're an expert at being a mom. Oh, no. <laughs> no. But yes, we're all figuring it out. That's the thing. When I adopted, suddenly we had, I mean, we were like, okay, yeah, now we're parents of a seven-year-old and a 10-year-old, and we had no idea what we were doing, and there was a lot of fear there. But there's support, there's community, there's reaching out, there's asking for help. And so what I think is beautiful about something like this and people sharing is that you have the opportunity to, let's dig into that, like you personally. You don't have to include me, but dig into that and see where it will take you. And Because I know that... What I do know about you from what you shared is that you're very successful at work. You've proven that. That's where your worth is right now. But you're like, oh, I think I would like to be a mom. And that could be cool. But then there's the fear. But what did Kat just teach us is that the fear is not going to go away. It's actually good that it's there. And you, I get it, get to just go for it. And then I know the baby's born. And you're like, what? But... Even with, like, adoption or any parent in here will say, like, when they had their kid, it's like, what the heck did I just do? <laughs> so we just, as a group, we can encourage you to do, do what you need to do to kind of take care of what's going on inside of you and wrestle with that, journal through it, work it out, therapy, talk to people, include people, and obviously include your husband, right? <laughs> Yeah, and then y'all make the best decision, and I can tell by just the moments that I've spent with you, like, you're, you're going to be a great mom, and I think you even asking this question and getting vulnerable and saying this in front of people shows that you care, and you're going to be a good mom, and so to celebrate your bravery, I want my friend Gracie to come up. This is Gracie Mokler, and she has a whole Hello. company dedicated to celebrating things and I'll let her share with you why she wanted to give this to you but we just want you to know you're going to be a great mom yes thank you for sharing your story with us and we wanted to give you this emergency confetti and as the confetti flutters I hope you just realize I'm worthy I'm brave and I'm you know I can do anything you know you lean into these fears and um just that goodness is around the corner for you thank you Gracie
thank you really for everybody here, everybody that spoke tonight, and then for you all being here. It was a huge blessing. I hope that you walk away tonight feeling that you have value, that you are deserving of a full and beautiful life. And on your way out, you can grab a puzzle. Taylor Farms is gifting those to all of you along with the Shop Forward. And it's something that is a reminder for tonight because everything that happens in your life is a piece to your puzzle. And we want you to remember that it, it has a purpose. And sometimes when you're looking at it up close, you're like, ugh. I don't really see it, but if you step back and once you start putting every piece into place, it makes sense and it will look beautiful. And Taylor Farms also put a little QR code next to the puzzles that you can grab and just scan at your convenience because they're picking five people to get a year's supply of chopped salad. <laughs> Which is amazing. The salad kits from Taylor Farms are my favorite. And when they told me they wanted to give five people a year's supply, I was like, well, that's amazing. So all you have to do is grab that QR code next to the puzzle and scan it. And voila, you never know. You might be selected and have salads for forever. And then the four things, totes that or zipper pouches that we made for tonight that y'all have. There are some out there that are available. All proceeds are going to My Life Speaks, which is an organization in Haiti that we work with, founded here in Nashville, a special needs orphanage down in Nepali, Haiti. And all the items out there, the Pimp and Joy, the four things. But I love what's on the zipper pouch, and it's laugh often, share stories, find rainbows, spread joy. And that's also what I hope you take away from tonight. So thank you for coming tonight. Ah, summer, the best time of the year usually doesn't come with a great deal. Soaring temperatures come with soaring prices. But what if there was another way? With IKEA, your summer plans can last longer than two weeks of vacation and be more affordable. At IKEA, everyone can have lounge chair access. No reservations needed. From affordable outdoor furniture to stylish accessories, they have all of the essentials that you need to soak up summer in style, no matter the size of your space. Start planning a better summer with IKEA. It's your outdoor dreams inside your budget. All right, this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a simple truth that no matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you and how you manage them can really make all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through things. Now, BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com. BetterHelp.com. This festival and concert season will be all about the boots, and Tacova's is your stop before attending your next concert. All Tacova's boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tacova's has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink, and shop new styles. If you can't make it to a store, well, just go to tacovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today.